Hello, so it's me doing the announcements today. I wanted to let you guys know some of our general housekeeping. We are having this episode, obviously, as you're listening to it right now. Next week, I will be out of town. Um, so we will be having a Would You Watch This? One that we recorded quite a while ago. So I'm curious to hear how it turns out. The week after that, we will not have an episode due to illness and uh, travel. Not the same people who were ill and traveling. Everybody's okay, uh, but we don't have the the capacity to, to keep up the schedule uh, with everything that's been going on, including the end of school. I also wanted to say happy LGBTQIA uh, slash Pride Month. Last year, we donated to Teaglyph here in Tampa. This year, we are donating to Metro Tampa Bay. It is a, um, it's Metro Inclusive Health, a 501c3 organization that provides quality health and wellness services to, uh, to the community. Um, they also offer HIV services and medical care, social activities and classes, support groups, counseling, health and wellness programs, pediatric medication, management, and more for, uh, for all ages. I found this one, it's local. As you guys know, we're here in Florida. There's been a lot of trash going around in Florida and I thought it would be a good idea to find a 501c3 charity in the community that can help help the community uh, in a lot of different ways. However, however people need support, whether it's medical, uh, mental, or any other way, finding a community. Um, I do hope that everybody is doing well. I know it's been a rough, let's be honest, couple of years. So take care of you. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoy next week's Would You Watch This? Uh, see if you can guess what it is. And it was really fun, <laughs> even though it was months ago, it was really fun to watch, record, and uh, see how long it took David to figure out what it was. So I will talk to you guys in two or three weeks. In the meantime, listen to our episodes. Um, oh, I think we've got Moses coming in to say hi. Oh no, it's Charlie. Hi, Charlie. I closed a door. There must be a cat somewhere. And we'll be over at, uh, at the Instagram. I'm not on Twitter that much anymore for my own mental health. And uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Take care of you. Bye guys. Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, and this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who has somehow never seen The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files spoiler-free. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 2, Paperclip. It originally aired September 29th, 1995. It was written by Chris Carter and directed by Rob Bowman, the director of Airborne, <laughs> the Rock and Roller Blade movie, starring Shane McDermott, Seth Green, and a young Jack Black, Yay. among other people. IMDb says, as a government hit squad closes in on the agents, Mulder searches for clues about his father's involvement in a top secret project. Sure. 
Okay. Close enough. That's fine. They're all things that pretty much happen. Yeah. All right. So the cast is pretty much the same as the last two episodes because this is a three-parter. But today we are going to explore Don S. Williams as the first elder. Yeah. So here's what I found about Williams. In 1993, Williams was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, a degenerative disorder of the central nervous system. In March 2002, a small flurry of media interest erupted when it was revealed by documentary filmmaker Jerry Thompson for the Canadian broadcaster CTV that Don was one of four people who worked together at the CBC in 1979, the most famous being Michael J. Fox, who would all later go on not only to develop Parkinson's disease, but to have the symptoms appear at roughly the same time in the early 1990s. Current evidence suggests that as many as eight crew and cast members on the project have developed Parkinson's symptoms. <laughs> what? Yep. So leading to the concern or well, basically the unusual coincidence led to the suggestion that Parkinson's may possibly have some sort of environmental trigger. Huh. So that's my conspiracy theory of today. I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. I mean, it's a... There's a... That's a thing. A thing that happened, yes. I don't know if it is an environmental trigger. It, The piece that I found didn't go into detail about anything that has happened since that 2002 reveal. But interesting, right? That's very interesting. That's wild. Eight people that were on the same project? Yep. Huh. Well, what did you think about this episode? Oh, pretty good. There was less uh, pseudo-mystical bullshit. Which was nice. I do fully get where the one critique came of hosting just working with the government. That fully comes into focus here in this episode. Yep. He's just, sure, I'll do whatever FBI lady wants. Oh my gosh. Well. He's capable of saying people's names. I've seen him do it. I know! It's weird the way that he's written. It's... In the season two finale, he's not written like this. No. No, it's terrible how he's written. (laughs) Did Chris Carter write the season two finale? Uh, Yeah, he Hmm. did. Teleplay by him, uh, story by him, and DeCupney. That's right. Interesting. Well, it's just Chris Carter on the typewriter for episode one and two, and it is bad. But would you like to know what Chris Carter thinks? Oh, Chris Carter loves this episode. He thinks it's probably one of the best episodes to date rob bowman did a great job directing (laughs) and uh he did a pretty good job writing it's much more problematic than that great carter included the motif of the white buffalo after reading a news story about the birth of a white buffalo calf feeling that the image was so potent he did not mind that it did not entirely fit the navajo beliefs used elsewhere in the episode (laughs) well that's why he said they were it was born up north. Ugh, I guess. Chris Carter's like, look, do I mind just denigrating the Navajo beliefs? N- no, I've done it the uh, last two episodes. I'll mix these metaphors. It's fine. And you know what? Mixing metaphors is fine, but not in this case. <laughs> so, you ready for the plot? I sure am. All right, so I was so disgusted with how this opened that I wrote, white buffalo equals great omens equals Mulder is the one. Yeah. 
Wow. Would you like to talk about the white buffalo bit? No, not really. Okay. When I told you originally that I was going to skip it, you said, you can't skip it. You just got to mention that it happened. You don't have to go in detail. It happened. It did. And then we continue on from the previous episode with Scully and Skinner holding each other at gunpoint in Mulder's apartment. Skinner says he has the tape, but there's no reason to believe anybody at this point. No, especially after he pulled his gun. Yeah. She says, you you said you came here to help me and I'll prove it. And he says, I didn't come here to have a gun pointed at me either. So he's just reacting to his pride being hurt. Like? By having a, a woman pull a gun on him. Like most men. He is exemplifying toxic masculinity. No. He's putting his life in danger because he feels slighted. Yes. It's the dumbest thing. <laughs> I'm so glad you pointed that out instead of me. That was, yes. Yep. And then... You know, as we said at the end of the last episode, there was somebody outside the door. As you mentioned in the last episode, I just want to point out, Mulder's door lock is super loud. loud. Apparently, they didn't lock the door behind them because he just opens the door. Maybe Mulder gave Scully a key that is super loud in the lock, and his key is super quiet. Because of the his video collection. Exactly. He needs, so he, he can turn alarm. his porn off real quick. Before she walks in. Ugh. Yuck. <laughs> Not yuck to porn, but yuck to having a grown man have this kind of a system. And also... Well, back then, it's you. it was all analog. <laughs> you couldn't just close your laptop or whatever. It was all analog, so he's just flipping through a magazine. Yeah. Or watching a videotape. You gotta have time to, like, throw the magazine in the corner or <laughs> grab the remote to stop the tape. <laughs> zip up your pants (laughs) of course we've seen Mulder watching porn and he just lays on his couch fully clothed falling asleep yeah it's his soothing sounds of the rainforest soundtrack he has uh he has a problem (laughs) yeah so anyway it's Mulder who bursts through the door and Scully once again takes her eyes off of Skinner I'm giving her a little bit of a pass here because obviously like somebody is trying to kill her Well, yes, somebody's trying to kill her, but I'm giving her a pass on taking her eyes off of Skinner because Mulder should be dead. But she didn't think so. That's true. She still looks surprised. Gillian Anderson is a great face actor. She's good. She's no Sarah Michelle Gellar, but she's close. Um, who is better? Sarah Michelle Gellar. No, I'm blanking on her name. She's now on The Magic Show. Oh, Alison Hannigan? Yes, Alison Hannigan. Uh, Her face acting isn't top-tier face acting unless she's crying. Her acting acting is great. Yes, I guess that's But right. like the subtle... Uh, I, I don't know why I consider face acting to be a different thing. Hmm. Allison Hannigan starts crying. You can just think. If I were an actor and I needed to cry in a scene, I would envision Allison Hannigan crying. <laughs> there you go. That's, That'll do it. That would be my thing. There's that old saying, uh, you laugh, the world laughs with you. You cry, you cry alone. That does not apply to Allison Hannigan. It does not, no. No. So Duchovny Mulder bursts into his own apartment and now it's a triangle of people and Mulder and Scully are pointing their guns at Skinner and now Skinner is pointing his gun at Mulder and they are like, put your gun down, put your gun down, put your gun down, put your gun down. For 27 minutes. Yep. Just put your gun down. You put your gun down, put your gun down, put your gun down. If I tell somebody to put their gun down, they yell at me and there's two of us on one person. The second time I say it, I say, I'm not saying it a third time. 
this is not baseball. You do not get three strikes. Oh. The third strike is you get shot in the face. <gasps> you would shoot Skinner in the face? Hell yes, I would. And it's his fault. I honestly don't understand this turn of events because... They immediately just trust him? That, but also, did Scully trust him before? I don't think so. And the well-manicured man said, it's either going to be someone you trust or (laughs) some assassins. They put Skinner in the position that he would be the person that she trusts. He did help her... No, he helped... Yeah, he helped her find Mulder when he went up to the Arctic with the submarine. So there have been hints that he's on their side. But he's also straight up been like, I'm not on your side because I'm in this other weird limbo. I'm on the line that you keep trying to cross. Right. All right. Well, so all of that happens. Skinner eventually, does he hand his gun to Scully? Yes, he hands his gun to Scully. And then he says, I'm going to end this right now. I'm going to reach into my pocket. And then they let him reach into his pocket and he pulls out the tape and... I assume you know what this is. And then there's some more dialogue back and forth about give it to us. No, I'm going to keep it. No, you keep it. No, I'm going to keep it. No, everybody's <laughs> going to keep it. No, nobody has it. Every it's It doesn't exist anymore. It's destroyed. But then they let Skinner keep it. With not really any pushback. Mm-mm. It's give it to me. It's too important. No, it's too important to give to you. Yeah. Oh, okay, you're right. We're going to go find the truths that are out there that are not on the tape. It doesn't make any sense how they work this out. No, it doesn't. Well, all of that happens. And then in the hallway, Mulder and Scully are standing within kissing distance, (laughs) waiting for the elevator. They're never in kissing distance. He's too tall. She's too short. Apple crates. So they could be chest to belly and they still wouldn't be in kissing distance. Pelvis to pelvis. They, They are... Never pelvis to pelvis. <laughs> pelvis like pelvis to, to knees. belly button. <laughs> All right. Well, they don't kiss, even though both times I said that they should. And then they get into the elevator. One of the things that Skinner says is why he insists on keeping the tape is he says it's their only leverage in exposing the conspiracy and gaining justice. And I just wrote justice question mark. And that's when DeCupney says something like, yes, justice. And then later he says something about justice. And then even later he's like, there's no justice. <laughs> it's like, all right. Well, nobody kisses and there's no justice. So we cut to the hospital and Margaret Scully is looking for Dana because she gets a call that someone from Dana Scully's apartment has been taken to the hospital. Obviously, she thinks it's Dana. But it turns out that it is Melissa with a cranial gunshot. It's not a through and through. No. Her, <laughs> her acting in this is great. She goes in expecting Dana. Mm-hmm. They say Melissa and she just stops dead in her tracks. Yeah. And looks like, I don't know how to feel about this. Am I relieved that Dana's okay? Or am I upset that Melissa's hurt? Yeah. <sighs> Margaret Scully should be screaming forever. Constantly. Just... I feel like at some point she's going to release all of this. She's going to open her mouth to wail, and it's never going to end. And she's just going to be a siren. She's going to become a mythological creature (laughs) of pain and anguish. Banshee. Yeah. She's going to become a banshee. Except banshees usually do it before somebody dies. That's true. Well, you know, time warps A reverse banshee. Time warps and stuff. So right now it's after people die, and then it's before people die. 
when she's a banshee. Okay. I'm saying she's morphing into, and it changes the timing of it. I'm just going to have to trust you on this one. You should. So she goes in. Uh, Melissa has just come out of surgery, and... <laughs> yeah. And um, she just sits vigil by Melissa. And we cut to the agents visiting the lone gunman. Uh, showing the lone gunman an old photo featuring Bill Mulder, the smoking man, Deep Throat, and other members of the syndicate. The lone gunman also recognized Victor Klemper, a notorious Nazi scientist who was brought to the United States under Operation Paperclip. Frohickey informs, oh, Frohickey shows up because he wasn't there originally. And he informs Scully that her sister is in the hospital and she tries to leave, but Mulder persuades Scully that she cannot visit Melissa because that's where they're going to be looking for her. But before any of this happens, when Frohickey comes in, him and Mulder share a, a nice little bonding moment. They give oh. each other a hug. He's like, oh, you're back. It's great. And Mulder tells him, yeah, you're going to have to wait for my porn collection. Yes. So, and this is also when I realized that Frohickey and Scully are closer in height than Mulder <laughs> and Frohickey. That's why he likes her so much. Is that why? They're in kissing distance. Yes! <laughs> but I don't want them to kiss. He's gotten a lot better since those first two. This is like the second time in history that I've been like, no, I don't want them to kiss. <laughs> Give him time. He might end up okay. He's got a ways to come. He does. But uh, it's nice to know that Frohickey is in Mulder's will. Oh. <laughs> wow. Those guys are tight. Wow. Those guys are tight. They have the same affinities. Well, here's my first production note. The fictional Victor Klimper is based on Dr. Hubertus Strughold, Hubertus, I'm not sure if you pronounce the H, who was accused of conducting similar experiments on humans. The name is almost identical to a Victor Klimperer, who was a German Jew that escaped persecution during World War II by fleeing to the American-controlled territory, or a an American-controlled territory. Ooh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. They also say that he did human experiments... And then somehow that helped him help America win the space race? Yeah, um, he drowned human beings, and we won the space race. Not sure how those two things connect. There's not a lot of water. He made alien-human hybrids, and that helped America win the space race. I don't know. Let's just take a moment to say, how in the fuck do you say that America won the space race? First animal in space? Uh, Soviet Union, first person in space, <laughs> Soviet Union, first satellite, Soviet Union, <laughs> first woman in space, Soviet Union. Yeah, but this is the United States. First everything except person on the moon, Soviet Union. Yeah, but there were penises attached to the people on the moon, and this is the United States. So the only people who count in the United States have penises. Okay, still... Uh, it's still first penis in space was still Soviet Union. American exceptionalism. <laughs> it's wild to say that America won the space race, is my point. That is bananas. Also, can we not shoot any more animals into space ever again, please? So now we're with the syndicate, and they are furious that the wrong person was murdered. The syndicate demands that the smoking man produce the tape. He says he has it, which he's lying. And... I like seeing CSM in hot water because it's new. Normally he's 
cool enough because he's got enough power. Even when Mulder broke into his really sad apartment and held him at gunpoint, he was like, eh. Unflappable. He's still, at this point, he's still unflappable. That's true. It's it's very interesting. And then we see the well-manicured man who says, this is not a profession for men who make mistakes. No, 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 he doesn't. He says, this is not a profession for men who make mistakes. You have way too much emotion. Oh, I'm sorry. I was like, I just said that. But you're right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't betray any emotions I, when he speaks. That's and true. that's what I love about him. I really like him. I mean, I don't like him because he works with Nazis. But I do like him because liking people is complex. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> CSM lies about killing Mulder. I did it myself. Yes. Though I suppose it's not exactly a lie because at this point he thinks that he killed Mulder. I'm not even sure if he does. I don't know. Because they never confirmed it. That's true. They didn't when they checked the box car before they firebombed it, they said it was clear. That's true. That's really true. Hmm. Alright, well he lies some more. Yeah, I'm not sure if he ever even thinks that he killed Mulder. That's a good point. And now CSM is about to be one of the, quote, men who make mistakes, unquote. Mm-hmm. The smoking man promises to bring in the tape the next day, but right now it's in a vouchsafe. I don't think vouchsafe is a noun. I think it's a verb. I just used it as a noun. What are you talking about? <laughs> you did. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mulder and Scully visit Klimper in his gorgeous greenhouse, and they do not punch him immediately, which is... Unfortunate. It's uncalled for. <laughs> I've decided that not punching Nazis is uncalled for. I guess in this specific circumstance, they wanted some information. So they should they... have punched him at least at some point in this. Right, but not right away. Okay, fine. Well, he says that the photo was taken, so they show him the photo from earlier, was taken at Strughold Mining Facility, which is a former mine in West Virginia. Mulder yells a lot, mostly about his father, but the Nazi is not moved. Scully does ask if his work has to do with being a Nazi or with the blood money the U.S. government paid him. Scully gives him the business yeah. in this scene, yes. and it's really good. She does not ever really face him. Her body is still angled toward Mulder. It's true. And she's just kind of looking at him like he repulses her. You're right. Yeah. Jillian Anderson is the best actor in this whole series. And uh, and the dialogue's good, too, because she does not shy away from, yeah, you're a Nazi? You did Nazi shit. Jews uh, were human beings, and you treated them otherwise. Yep. And she gives them the business, and it's good. It is good. Mulder does not. Mulder's uh, like, my daddy is dead! I beg to disagree. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mulder gives a good read on this guy. He does give a good read. He because does Because this guy is like, oh, Freud, Salk, these are the names will be remembered. Klimper will be nothing but a butcher. Mulder picks up on this, that this guy wants his name spoken in the halls of greatness. Mm hmm and uses that against him. He says, don't you want the truth to come out? Because this guy thinks he did good stuff. I know, they always do. Yeah. He thinks he was doing good, and he wants that out there, and Mulder uses it against him. Mulder does good in this scene. He does yell a lot, though. He does, but he does do a good... He does... Um, he uses psychology, like he's supposed oh to. Oh my goodness, he does! Yeah. All right. Okay, fine. 
Now, on their way out, they should have shot him in the face. But, yes. Yeah. What are you going to do? But they didn't. And instead, as the agents leave, or the agents do leave after wherever they are, Plumper calls the well-manicured man and informs him that Mulder is alive, which fucks up the CSM's bag. Oh, yeah. Uh, The news causes the syndicate to further mistrust the smoking man, which I have to ask... And maybe you asked this. I don't remember if it was this scene or another scene. But I think it was a different scene. Do they trust each other? Because I feel like in this kind of scenario, you can't trust anybody, but you like have to work together. So you're trying to figure out just how much of everything that everybody's talking about is the truth. But you know, it's not. It's never a hundred percent of the truth. It was the vouchsafe scene because ah. he says, "I didn't." know that my honesty and integrity were in question that's here right. that's right and i would have loved for somebody to say all of our honesty and integrity is in question here what are you talking about what well meanwhile we go back to the hospital and we oh back at the scene where Mulder tells scully she can't go see her sister he says we need to call in somebody that we can trust and so that's what leads up to this scene so now we are back at the hospital Uh, where Melissa Scully is in the hospital bed. Margaret is sitting vigil still. And then Albert Hosteen comes in to visit Melissa. And Margaret's like, I don't know why you're here, sir, guy. And he's like, well, you know, the FBI asked me to come. And then she's like... From New Mexico. Right. So that's the thing. If he was nearby already and... Maybe has a bit of a vested interest in Mulder since he saved Mulder's life. One of those things where I've saved your life. Now I am responsible for you. Fine. But no, he wasn't. He wasn't nearby. No, if he could get on the metro and just be like, all right. Almost all the way on the opposite side of the country. Yes. That's the problem that I have with this. Mostly. But he is a calming factor. I still don't know why Margaret's not just screaming like a banshee constantly. But she's sitting there. And they talk. There is a man who is just walking, obviously walking by the door and staring in. (laughs) But then he leaves. And um, they have a little bit of a conversation. And then Albert asks if it's okay if he can pray for Melissa. And Margaret says yes. Which I think, regardless of what your religious or spiritual beliefs are, I appreciate that he asked. She gave her consent. And it seems fine. Good job. Yeah. Yay consent. Yay. Yeah. Yay consent, but why the hell are you here? Yeah, I don't understand why, why he's there. Why did you come here from New Mexico? I do feel like if I were in that situation and I were Margaret and I were just completely in shock because it doesn't feel like too much time has passed since her husband died. And now she thought it was her one daughter, but now it's her other daughter. And there's a lot going on in Margaret's life. And then this man comes in and he's like, hmm, can I pray over her? That seems, are you going to pray in your head? Please? (laughs) That seems fine. Sure. So Mulder and Scully arrive at the mining facility, which is the coolest set. And I said it about 11 times. I also got a really good shot from the screen that I will share. We have to tell them what it is. Okay. So Mulder and Scully show up at the mining facility and they come in the front door. And when you, when, during this shot, you can see in the background, there's a group of people sitting on a little ledge a railing or whatever and it's several people and a dog and you can only see them because half the wall is missing yes you can see through the the shot is Mulder and Scully are inside the mining facility 
at a stairwell or something and part of the wall is missing and so if you're looking at them and as I was the first time I watched this, I didn't notice this. But the second time, I guess I was looking in the background and noticed somebody in the background. Just a gang of people. Yeah. She, just uh, hanging there, out. There's a woman with her legs crossed and a dog and then a couple of other people. And I was like, wait a second. What? <laughs> I don't know if they're PAs just hanging out or if that site is like a hangout for teenagers. And they were like, hey, we're going to shoot a TV show here. And they went, yeah, cool. Whatever. Yeah. We're not leaving. Yeah, you can't see it. This is a public place. <laughs> it's basically waist down because it's like wherever what they're whatever they're sitting on, the little half wall that they're sitting on, and then the dog. But I do have a production note about the mining facility because I love this scene. So I will share that shot. The mining facility is named for Dr. Hubertus Strughold. I've decided the age is silent. A real-life German scientist who was employed by the United States after World War II. The Britannia Mine Museum in Britannia Beach, British Columbia, Canada, stood in as the Strughold Mining Facility. This episode was dedicated in memoriam to Mario Mark Kennedy, an internet fan of the show who had died in a car accident in 1995. Oh. Which is just an extra thing. But, so the Strughold Mining Facility is actually the Britannia Mine Museum. So maybe those were museum goers. They could absolutely just be people who were out and about. Wow. There is definitely a dog there, though. Yeah. I've never brought my dog to a It's like six people and a dog. Yeah, it's great. Also, RIP Mario Kennedy. Yeah. At the facility, they use the code for Napier's Constant, given to them by Klemper during their conversation earlier. Inside the mining facility, there are these modern doors, but they look like... They look like gun safes. Huge gun safes. Yes. They look like huge gun safes. They're not large enough to be safes in a bank, but they're like giant gun safes. Okay. We live in America, guys. What they look like to me. Okay. So, Napier's constant is what they decide to use for the code to see if they can get in. Mulder selects the first door and types in the code. Nothing happens. Scully goes to the next one. They basically leapfrog down because there's several of them in this place. Eventually, one of them opens, Scully gets it open, and uh, before, so the light turns green, then Scully stalls for a long time. So long that I feel like it would have just relocked and they would have had to do it again. Yeah. But she's trying to steady Mulder, who wasn't able to, uh, to to attend his father's funeral. She's like, dude, if we open this door, there's no telling what's behind here. And he's like, yeah, let's go. And she's like, are you sure? Because I feel like you're not in a good emotional state. And, and he's, he's like, like, when am I? Right. So, whatever. They go in. Like, what was she expecting to see that she needed to do that little speech? I don't know. <laughs> but I did write, Scully knows Mr. Mulder is shady as fuck. And it's apparently going to be jarring to Mulder. <laughs> oh. Okay, that's where she, Okay. Production note, Napier's Constant is used as a code to access the mining facility in the episode or, you know, a secret storage portion of the mining facility. Though the code used is an error, Scully and Mulder used the code 27828 to unlock the door when in fact the first five digits of Napier's Constant are 27182. Meanwhile, Skinner has called the cigarette smoking man and tells him that he may know where the tape is. CSM is now acting like Mulder and yelling and threatening. It's the first time we've seen him not unflappable. Yes, it's 
amazing. And I commented on it both times because it was so jarring. He's just losing his shit. Yes. Because I think he knows his life is on the line now. I think so. Yeah. He's, he's lied too much. That's right. His, he's lied too much to the wrong people. His honesty and integrity is now in question. <laughs> Skinner stands his ground. Meanwhile, Skinner tells the smoking man that he that he may have found the digital tape. What are my no- what do my notes mean? Well, the smoking man is agitated and insists that he will not make a deal. And I kept wanting CSM to be like, "I do not negotiate with terrorists." <laughs> I do not negotiate. I am a terrorist. Yeah. I don't negotiate with terrorists. I am the United States. So it's all a lie to be continued. No, not yet. <laughs> Well, I do like... Oh, no, that's never... That's the next time they run into each other. Never mind. We'll get there. Back to the agents. At the mining facility, they discover a large complex of filing cabinets containing smallpox vaccination records and tissue samples. It's like a mile of filing cabinets. Now, something I didn't think about until just now. Do all of those doors go to this one place, or do they all go to different places? I was thinking that, too. And the way that it's visually set up it feels like it goes to the same place but if it doesn't that would make more sense especially since the codes were different yeah and if it doesn't that means there's billions of folders not necessarily though the older the other doors might not go to filing cabinet rooms they might go to other things do you think that the um, napier's constant is what the Nazis and the United States were working on together, and then the... Inventing Napier's constant? No. We have to do these human experiments so we can get this algorithm thing going? Whatever. All of that's all tied together, and that's the U.S. working with the Nazis, but the other doors is the U.S. working with other terrible people. Oh, okay. So the first one is working with Saudi Arabia. The next one is working with themselves. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. So he only knows the code to the door that he was working on. Ah, makes sense. Yeah. So they're looking at all of these files. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of files. There's a um, a little railroad track thing that you can move. Probably not all. Mining right. equipment. It's mining equipment. That's it, yeah. I was thinking <laughs> something that didn't have a motor, probably. Not something large, but yeah. yeah. Mine carts. Yes. Yeah, like yes, in yes, Indiana yes. Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's it. Uh, so they do, they look through a couple of things, and then Mulder wants to find Scully's file, which he does. And she, uh, one of the things that she points out is inside each of these files is a little tissue sample. And the old tissue samples were in... Not plastic. She didn't say what it was. It was right. like a little... little tin little metal tin maybe yeah it was in a specific type of tissue sample container and she said oh these are older ones the newer ones are in plastic and then she when he finds her file hers is in a little plastic sample case and then he goes to find his sister's file and discovers that it originally was meant for him or his name was the first one on it and her sticker was on placed over his but he doesn't notice that the tissue sample case is plastic like Scully's. Like the newer ones. And Scully doesn't say anything either. No. I don't know if that was just a production oversight or the audience was supposed to notice it. I don't know either. Because they didn't mention it at all. No, I'm wondering if it's ever going to come back. 
No, it could have just been a production oversight. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't have a note on it either. I couldn't find anything. So I'm hoping it comes back to be like, oh, hmm, hmm. Right. Or if it's just because they switched over to plastic by the time that Samantha was abducted. In like 73 or whatever it was. I think the first finals were 55. They were. So maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like plastic didn't become overused until at least the late 80s. I don't know. Me neither. I have vague memories of when plastic became a... I remember a straight-up commercial for plastic. Oh. (laughs) They were like, plastic's awesome. (laughs) I could drop my water bottle. (laughs) Maybe I'll see if I can find it and tweet it out. But there was straight-up just a commercial for plastic. I can drop my water bottle. Newsflash, <laughs> I can drop really anything I'm holding. Yeah, ever. like Gatorade was in glass until I was 10. Mm. Yeah, maybe until I was in college. Wow, I don't remember Gatorade before, I don't know, like 15 years ago. Well, that's because it was one flavor and it was in a glass bottle. <laughs> Weird, huh. And I loved it. Hmm. What color was it? Green. It's the original lemon-lime flavor. Oh, well, it, back to the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot we were talking about a TV show. Hearing a noise, Mulder heads outside and witnesses a UFO flying overhead. Inside, small beings run past Scully. It's pretty great, though Mulder misses the alien creatures because he, once again, abandoned his partner. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. Yep. Production note, the aliens in this episode, or the small alien creatures who run past Scully in the mining facility, were portrayed by children aged 8 to 9. And in my own little production note, or viewer's note, I keep wanting the uh, Wicked Witch of the West song to be playing when they run by. I don't know why. I liked the music they did. They did that weird string. I did too. Disjointed string thing. But my brain kept replacing it. The spacecraft spotted by Mulder Mulder was achieved by using a crane to lift lights over the building Mulder was outside of. Until they show the actual UFO and then it's just bad special effects. There's a lot of bad special effects in these Which three. I found very weird. I did too. Like weird matte stuff. And yeah. Weird, uh, green screen stuff yeah Yeah, strange well Mulder runs outside and sees the large ship or whatever it is floating away out of the building and scully is still underground with the files and the tracks she watches the creatures scurry away and we see the final shot of skinny legs alien backlit by like a train is coming hey scully yep do you want these skinny legs? Look at my skinny legs, Scully. I showed them to your partner a year ago. <laughs> That's right. Now you get to see him. And then, and then they do like a little hip wiggle. This is my Elvis impersonation. <laughs> hey, baby. And then, uh, and then they close the door, and the tunnel goes dark. Sure does. Outside, cars full of armed soldiers or somebody arrive. Not the Blue Berets. Not the Blue Berets, no. Mulder runs inside while a bunch of men shoot automatic weapons at him. Fortunately, their aim is terrible. They're stormtroopers. I was trying to say stormtroopers when I was writing this, and I could not remember the name of the stormtrooper. (laughs) The white guys from Star Wars. (laughs) 
Mulder runs into the locked door using the code, calling for Scully. The guys with guns are not far behind, and apparently they know the code too. They do. They know Napier's constant. They do. They're like, Psh. Scully yells, hey, I heard gunshots, and Mulder just ignores that. Yes. He says, I've been looking for you. Hey, lady. And then they run out a door that just goes to the outside. Yes. There's all this security to get in here, but then the back door is just goes to the outside. It reminds me of a Simpsons bit. No. Oh. Where Mr. Burns and uh, his little Smithers go through all of these like retina scans and fingerprint scans and biometric things to get to this room. And then in that room, there's just a screen door like hanging off the edge. <laughs> it's hinges and a stray dog walking in. <laughs> that's hilarious. I don't think I've ever seen that, it's, but that's hilarious. It's a great bit. And that's what it reminds me of. There's all this security, and then there's just the door that goes right to the outside. Yep. That's pretty good. Uh, later, because the agents escape, uh, we never see those guys again. <laughs> we don't see how they really escape, other than they went out the back door. They went outside. I thought that's where the skinny legs alien went. Huh, I don't. I thought she was like, hey, there's a way out here. And I thought she went out the way that Skitty Legs went, but. I, yeah, I don't remember. But you're right. It does just spit them outside the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> the agents meet with Skinner at a diner in rural Maryland. Um, it still tracks that the only time we've seen Scully eat anything is at the barbecue place because. She only eats barbecue. <laughs> because she has a salad sitting in front of her, but nobody's eating anything. Nobody touches anything. There's no smoked pork in that salad. She's not touching it. Nope, and she doesn't. Skinner wants to turn over the tape in exchange for their reinstatement and safety. Mulder wants to object, but Scully makes a good argument about needing to see her sister. It's, it's a pretty good argument. It is. And here's some bad arguments that they make. Go for it. Muller says, I assume you've already tried to make a copy because I had written down, why not make a copy? <laughs> and Skinner says, no, I couldn't make a copy. So I wrote, okay, never mind. Whoever downloaded the files made this copy protected. Then I wrote down, why would Suna copy protect it when he wants everybody in the world to know what's on it? Also, he didn't expect it to be copied onto the tape. He never expected to find what he found. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So he would have just been like, I, he, basically he was dicking around on online, seeing if he could do a thing, expecting nothing to come of it. And then it, something did come of it, but he wouldn't have, he probably wouldn't have set up the tape to be copy protected in the first place. No, he wants everybody to know this. He, he probably would have made several copies. Right? Makes no sense. Then he also says, I couldn't even print out a hard copy. We've seen a hard copy of this printed out. I thought that was really strange. So, okay. So, oh, you know what? So Skinner can't do it. Did he not ask for anyone's help? He doesn't know how to open PDF. <laughs> that, that's, this is simply a case of old man doesn't know technology. Also, it's easy to open because Mulder, Mulder opened just it. opened it. Yeah. And then they looked at it and then they printed it. Yeah. Either just a bad fuck up on the writing end, or Skinner's an old man who doesn't know technology. <laughs> Which I will accept that as a uh, as an excuse. I'll or accept that. Chris Carter's an old man who doesn't understand technology. <laughs> also. <laughs> like the episode in season one, a bunch of people who didn't know computers had to write a computer oh, episode. So, oh, painful. Just... <laughs> 
So unless Skinner in a later episode turns out to be like a super hacker or something, I'll I will chalk this one up to old man doesn't know technology. All right. Yeah. Now I, in a couple of weeks I get to try to figure out WhatsApp. So I'll be like it's copy protected. <laughs> I can't even make a hard copy. I'll be like, why do you want to make a hard copy? I just said, hey, how's it going? Did you feed the cats? <laughs> what? <laughs> throw my phone across the room (laughs) can you please water the plants one time while i'm gone (laughs) just throw it into the neighbor's yard (laughs) Ah! (laughs) well um after objecting Mulder says that it's up to scully whether to let skinner turn the tape over scully eventually they whatever scully decides that she told she wants skinner to make the deal but then she put it back on Mulder and says, but I told her not to turn over the tape until you agree, which is just like a married couple asking each other, where do you want to order dinner? <laughs> it made no sense to me. All right, Skull, you decide. Well, I decided and then I undecided. <laughs> it's exactly like a couple asking each other, where you, uh, okay, well, do you want to get dinner? Yeah, let's get dinner from somewhere. Well, where do you want to get dinner? I don't know. Where do you want to get dinner? No, you decide. Okay, well, I decided this place, unless you don't want to go there, and then you decide. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. Uh, Whatever. So that's what happens. Skinner heads to see Melissa in the hospital and is told by Hostine, who is still there, of the creep who's been poorly stalking the room because he's literally stopping outside and staring and making eye contact with everybody in there who has their eyes open. He's like, hey, is uh, Dana showed up yet? (laughs) <laughs> I heard a killer. No, she hasn't shown up yet? Okay. I'm going to walk, I'm gonna walk y'all, on. Y'all want some coffee? I'm going to go to the machine. All right. See you guys later. <laughs> Skinner orders Hosting to not leave the room, even though he's like, hey, who the who fuck are, are you? you? <laughs> and Hosting's like, I was asked to be here. And he's like, great. Okay. So Perfect. you stay here. <laughs> Do you hear me? Don't leave ever. Okay. I'll continue doing what I was already doing. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. And then Skinner never comes back. He's just like, you stay in this room for what, literally ever? He goes and gets his ass kicked. I know, but then he leaves or whatever. I don't know where he goes. It cuts to a different scene. So whatever. After that, Skinner chases the man to a stairwell, which actually isn't a chase. He like is in a stairwell and he goes down one flight of steps and then he holds a door and he kind of opens it to let the person on the other side of the door know that he's there and he's ready. And he holds his (laughs) hand above his face. And then the guy on the other side of the door is like, okay, that's my cue. And then he shoves the door open and then Skinner is like, "Ah!" (laughs) come on. Fight choreography is hard. I know, but I (laughs) thought it was great because I watched all of it happen. They didn't even try to cut it out. And then Krychek runs down the stairs from somewhere. Oh, yeah. He does come down the stairs. Yeah. And Lewis Cardinal and Krychek beat Skinner unconscious, and then they steal the tape. I mean, sort of. I guess. Whatever. Nobody's getting knocked unconscious by those weak-ass, punk-ass Krychek punches. (laughs) He didn't even have his fingers together. They were like all akimbo. He's like, ooh. He's like he's doing a magic trick right before he punched him. It's like that video that Riley sent us <laughs> that's had a little picture of a cat that looks like Moses. And the screen caption says, are you sure you want this cat? He casts spells on other cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. Maybe I'll share that one too. So all of that happens. They steal the tape. 
Then we see Crycheck with in the car with the other guys, and he's looking all emo. Yeah, he is. First of all, his hair grew so fast. Yes. In the last week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Since the season two finale. Yes. His hair has grown so much. It's. But it's only been like a week. <laughs> he's got COVID hair. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> he has 90s hair is what he has. That's also true. He, Which is probably why there's part of me that's like, I love this. <laughs> his hair is on his way to being Shane McDermott from Airborne. <laughs> the rock and rollerblade movie. Well, he's sitting in the car and I'm looking at, I'm trying to figure out what kind of makeup they have on his face because it is super matte. Yeah, it's standard definition makeup. It's amazing everybody's makeup in this no all of the men's makeup in this distracted me beyond beyond so the one guy the driver goes into the um convenience store and the guy in the back seat's like i could use a beer do you want anything i'm gonna go and then he goes in <laughs> and he's super weird about it he's so weird about it and then he and the driver telegraph that there's that they're watching Crycheck. Right. and Crycheck's like um and then he looks at the the clock for the first time since he got in the car and it's flashing it's flashing 12 so it just reset it's, it's not even flashing like 12 22 or anything it's flashing 12 like it's a vcr yeah when was your car when has your car ever flashed 12 maybe in the 90s don't know well the cry check goes oh shit and runs out and runs and runs and runs and then we get an explosion of the car and then we get a butt shot it's like Four minutes straight of Crycheck's acid wash jeans. It goes straight from put your gun down, put your gun down, put your gun down to butt shot. Yep. It's pretty great. And all of this other stuff we've made up. Yep. <laughs> Mulder and Scully return to Klimper's greenhouse, finding the well manicured man there. Being all cool. And I could not listen to anything that happened in this scene. You're going to have to describe it because I was too distracted by the sound mixing. There is a storm outside. And there's this weird, the weird tension strings are so loud and the audio is so flat. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, is that what you said to me? Oh, I remember you said something to me and I was like, hold on, I'm trying to pay attention to this. Yeah, I couldn't. Twice. I couldn't huh. at all. It was, I was trying to figure out what the sound was the first time. I thought it was static. The second time I realized there's a storm outside. So he shows up. They're like, where's Klimper? And he's like, oh, poor Mr. Klimper. His heart gave out on him yesterday. He was found among his orchids. And Mulder's like, you killed him, didn't you? And the look on well-manicured man's face, might as well just say, are you fucking dumb? Honestly, Mulder needs that look more often. <laughs> you killed him, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> do, do you need to ask that question? <sighs> yeah. But then he... Proceeds to just give him all of the information of what his dad was doing, yep. of what the whole, of what Klimper was doing, basically the entire syndicate and this facet of what they do. Because you got to imagine this isn't the only thing they do. No. It would be, I, I mean, it is a big endeavor, so it might be. It but... never occurred to me that this was the only thing that they did. I feel like they've got to be doing other things. Yeah. This is just the most time-consuming thing right now because... Also, it's aliens, so Mulder's... This is what Mulder's focus is. Yeah. So that could be that well-manicured man's willing to give up this part of the operation to save the rest of the operation. Yes. 
Which seems reasonable to me. Also, he's telling Mulder information, but can Mulder do anything with what he's told? No, nobody can. No. At the very end of the episode, I have something to say about that, too. Okay, so Will Manicured Man is giving Mulder information, but he's not really giving anything up, either. Yeah, he's giving him information that he can't really do anything with. Yeah, that's the way to go. It's the truth. The truth is out there, now the truth is here, and you can't do anything about it. There's no justice. (laughs) <laughs> but it's it's cool. I like hearing him talk. He's got that one like northeastern accent that uh, it's not quite British. Yeah. I forget what it's called. It's got a name. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, but that's basically what happens in that scene. Okay. Oh, that's not basically what happens in that scene because Dana Scully is like, none of this is true, Mulder. Mm. This is all science fiction. You just had aliens running past you. One of them knocked your flashlight out of your hand. <laughs> And now you're like, well, maybe just because I've seen it doesn't mean it's true. I don't know. This is what I was talking about in season one, where if they keep her skeptical about all of this, she's going to look like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Especially when she's held an alien (laughs) in her hands. Yeah. And then a bunch of aliens knocked her flashlight out of her hand. That's true. One of the things that I did write about this scene is that the well-manicured man admits to knowing Mulder's father... He states that Mulder's father helped gather genetic data for post-apocalyptic identification. Like that was the excuse they gave Mulder. Yeah. Bill Mulder. Yeah. And data Klimper used to work on alien-human hybrids. So. So Bill Mulder thought he was collecting genetic information so he could be like, this body is this person after a nuke hits. Yes. They're trying to make Bill Mulder not a bad guy, but fuck it, he's a bad guy. Also, what would the point of that be? There's no point. (laughs) Also, Samantha Mulder was taken to ensure Bill Mulder's silence after he learned of the experiments, and we find out that Bill Mulder had to choose. Yeah, that's fucked up. And I think that he chose his daughter because he's a toxic masculinity dude. Well, yeah. And he's like... Well, I gotta keep my bloodline. I gotta or keep the boy. No, I don't think that they're not even. I don't even think they're trying to make that not the case. I don't think they've even thought of it. No, I don't think they have either. But it does look like he picked Fox first and then changed his mind. I wonder if he chose Fox first or if they just assumed that he was going to choose Fox first and they were going to take Fox and then he was like, no, I choose Samantha. And then they were like, well, I guess we'll just use the same folder. <laughs> Either way, Fox was the original. He was. I have a feeling that Bill did not choose Fox first. Could be. Could be that they were going to take Fox, but he got up and walked away from the Stratego board. To find the, to get the um, the gun. No, on no. The... Just because he was being a jerk. Oh, that's right. He was. And then they shot the tractor beam in there and they got her instead. And they were like, well, I just put her name over that one (laughs) we don't want to waste paper look at all of the paper we're already using so it could end up being he did choose fox i just have a feeling that bill did not choose fox oh i think you're right but i think you're right but i'm just saying the possibilities are out there the possibilities are not endless their possibilities are two (laughs) the possibilities are two well then we see crycheck at a what i assume is a bus station and he calls the smoking man, telling him that he has the tape and he will make its contents public and the smoking man famous if he so much as 
feels his presence. How are you going to feel my presence, my dog? I don't know. But the smoking man, I love the smoking man on the other side of the phone. He's like, oh, yeah? Unflappable again. Yes. And then he straight up lies to the rest of the syndicate again. <laughs> it's, it's good stuff. Telling them that Scully's would-be assassin was killed in the car bombing and that the tape has been destroyed with him. So hopefully they believed it. Why would you believe anything at this point? Okay, so I'm having a hard time because I was saying that no, all of our honesty is in question. Right. But if you're doing this secretive of stuff, you kind of have to Yeah. I, surround yourself with people that you can trust. Yeah, I feel like you, would, you wouldn't be bringing these people over for dinner with your family and having like relationships with them, but you have to trust them to a degree. Yeah. But this is also why I think most conspiracy theories are fake and not real, because anytime you involve more than three people in something, yeah. one of them is going to start talking. Yeah. Well, we get to see Mulder confront his mother again. He shows up at her house in the middle of the night in the dark, and she is unfaced. <laughs> which is weird. When she wakes up and a grown-ass man is sitting on the, her bedside. She which just is immediately goes, Fox? It, wild. Oof. I would love to be like, oh yeah, well mothers always know when it's their children. But no, Riley has scared the fuck out of me by standing in the bedroom closer than I've known in the dark and being like, hey, I have something to say. And I'm like, bah! <laughs> I was like a month or two ago when yes! he took the laundry out of the dryer and threw it in my hamper that was at the foot of the bed, but we were asleep. Yes! <laughs> Just, dark. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so... I don't know what I don't know what kind of pills she's taking before she goes to bed, <laughs> but wow. Um, yeah, so she, he confronts her. She eventually tells him that his father chose Samantha to be taken, and because she would not make a decision. But Mulder does say, "Did you have to decide? Was it you? Were you the one?" Yeah, he was mad at her for it. Yeah, which I think is why. Oh, he does say, "Did he make you decide? Did he make you decide?" But still, he was putting it on her. Yeah. And she was like, It was no, a I large refused. leap in logic. Yeah. So that scene happens. She finally says, She. I hated him. And he I hate him still. And I was like, Same. Then we go to the FBI headquarters, and Skinner once again meets with the smoking man about the tape. The smoking man calls Skinner's bluff, calling. he also calls him a punk, knowing that he no longer has the tape. But Skinner reveals that Hosting and 20 other Navajo have memorized the contents of the tape and are ready to reveal it if either Mulder or Scully or Hosting or Skinner are so much as get the flu. Then Mulder meets Scully at the hospital, who reveals that her sister has died a few hours before. Boo. Mulder tells Scully that he believes that the truth is is still in the X-Files, and Scully tells him that she's heard the truth. Now what she wants are answers. He says the truth is in there. Yeah. Which, is that's not the tagline of the show. No. The tagline of the show is the truth is out there. Yeah. So I'm going to need a rewrite and a reshoot on that. Because <laughs> I don't like it. Well, I have one final fun fact. In 1996, Mitch Pileggi called this episode one of the show's finest particularly enjoying the line where he tells the smoking man to pucker up and kiss my ass. <laughs> of course he thinks this is one of the finest ones. Yeah, he's featured prominently. In yes. Pileggi claims that this is one of his favorite lines and the scene was used frequently to introduce him in X-Files conventions. Funny. Yeah. All right. So I have something to say about the resolution to this. 
uh, having a bunch of people memorize the everything that was in that that tape that just has a bunch of people who are talking alien human hybrid nonsense conspiracy theories yep that doesn't prove anything no this is what still 1995 we don't have to listen to these people if it was 2022 then we definitely don't have to listen to these people. oh my god no we don't have to but we, we get would. on 4chan and we freaking would no these... they are a very small group of people would they'd say that jfk jr is still alive that donald trump is going to be the 13th president and 13th president yeah that's... i don't want to know don't <laughs> whole thing nope maybe it's 14th don't, I don't remember forget that i asked i don't want any more explanation okay but that's where this would go yeah nobody would believe this this is like how i started this with a conspiracy yeah I, but my conspiracy is really interesting i don't yeah i do not see how this Keeps anybody safe. No, I don't either. These 21 people memorized your files. Okay. Okay. That's a fun story that those guys are telling. Mm-hmm. Well. Who are you shipping? Frohickey and Mulder's porn tapes. <laughs> nice. I am shipping uh, just because she was in the episode, even if she didn't make it all the way through. Mulder and Melissa for the, probably the last time, I guess. Maybe. Who knows? People keep showing up. It's true. Maybe they just snatched her body and she's out there somewhere the truth is out there and so is melissa scully the truth is in there are you surviving how are you surviving because i haven't gotten anything yet i am following that small skinny legs alien like creature to the light no i think if you go into the light you don't survive i don't know i have a feeling they're coming back skinny legs skinny legs okay i am surviving by not being one of the people who memorized those files. I don't know if that's going to work, though, because if the CSM organization wants to make sure that everybody's dead... So here's the thing. Skinner says if you want to keep any of these people from talking, you're going to have to murder Navajo. Like all the Navajo in four states. And... I'm going to put forth that the United States government has never shied away from murdering <laughs> Native Americans, so I don't know why they would stop now. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Wow, yep. wow. On that note, The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at thecastfiles, that's the with two e's, at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things, artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by at Uka Art. That's O-O-K-A-A-R-T. Hey. 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 Yeah, I wanted you to make one more sound. That was great. That was good. No one knows what it means. <laughs>